0: For those who, uh, one of the Sunday school classes, one of the life group classes uh, here at Luke 4.18, I shared a message, and I shared a little bit with the students about remembering. And after I shared that message, some of the people came up to me and said, David, this is something that you need to share at Luke 4.18, as in for the, the whole congregation. And so I began to pray and say, Lord, show me when that time is to share this message on remembering. And this past week, the Lord just continued to put it on my heart. And just to show you how God works and how He speaks confirmation, Brother Ed and I, I I don't remember ever telling you what I was preaching on today. Did I ever tell you? I, I probably should. That would probably be a good thing if I let you know. But I did not tell Brother Ed what I was preaching on today. And he gets up here and goes into point number three as he's, like, singing, and I'm like, man, like... That's how the Lord brings about confirmation as as he did that reciting and showing you that that God emptied himself, came down as a bondservant Philippians chapter two. And we'll see that here in a minute. We're going to discuss that today, just remembering what our God did. And so point three may come earlier because Brother Ed has already gone there this morning and I love it. That's just how God works. But this morning I want you to open up to Deuteronomy chapter 8. This is actually one of my favorite chapters in scripture. You've probably heard me say that about every chapter that I've preached on. Um, but I love Deuteronomy chapter 8. And as we get started, the way that this confirmation came about speaking this message today was over uh, the Christmas break as I was uh, at, at, with Leslie and, and my wife and, um, at her parents' house. And, and we ended up having a funeral. Many of you all heard about Leslie's Uh, grandfather passed away, and so we had a funeral, and and I was sitting there with, with my daughter and son, who's four and two, and obviously they don't quite understand what's going on, so we sat there next to a TV, and at that TV there was obviously video that was showing of his life, right? So at a funeral, when you go to a funeral, a lot of times you sit there and there's pictures that remind you of the life that this person lived. It shows you moments in their life. And as you see pictures, if you were involved in that moment of their life, guess what happens? It's like you're right back in that moment. And so I come home And I go over to my parents' house uh, here in Mobile, they live here, and obviously I was raised here under Brother Fred and many of you as well. And my mother is transferring VHSs, Uh, students, I'll let you know what VHSs are later. (laughs) I'm still trying to figure out what an A-track is though, so we'll, we'll get to that. But my my mother was transferring VHSs to DVDs, which the funny thing is, is that probably next year DVDs won't even exist. Well, on these VHSs were home videos. Now, I don't know how many of y'all have home videos of when you were a child, but man, like I pray that these videos never get out. My parents were showing me, I and mean, we were just laughing and just enjoying, I mean, I was probably like five, six years old, and, and why I was wearing what I was wearing, but, but you know, I mean, styles go in and out, and I pray that style never comes back in, you know what I'm saying? But I began to just, just watch some of those videos, and, and my childhood was like flashing back before me. I'm so thankful, like, Leslie and I, like, left and we were like, we need to go buy, like, some type of video recorder because all we have is pictures. We don't video things anymore. Maybe you do on your your iPhone or something like that. But we were like, man, we need to, so we can show our kids what it was like when they're older so they can remember. This idea of remembering is very important in scripture. And Moses in Deuteronomy 8 is at a place where he has the new generation and they are about Moses is about to go off the scene. Moses is not going to enter into the promised land. And so Moses is beginning to share with them just about what has taken place Previously, He's reminding them. The book of Deuteronomy, somebody has mentioned one time, is that it's really three messages of Moses reminding this young generation of where they came from. It's talking about the, the slavery that they were in and all these different things and how God miraculously brought them out of the land of Egypt. And in chapter 8... Verse 11, I want you to see this. I've read this scripture to you before, but we have not like dissected it on a Sunday morning. So this morning we're going to start with verse 11 and go through 20 and we're just going to kind of dissect this. And right at the beginning he says, Beware that you do not forget. If you feel comfortable underlining in your scriptures, and and if you don't, I mean, I I would pray that you would feel comfortable enough to underline that word where it says, beware that you do not forget. This is a command that Moses is giving them saying, hey, if you forget, there's you're going to see in a minute what will take place. Now, the reason Moses is saying this to them is because Moses had experienced people forgetting not too long ago. Now, y'all don't have to flip over there, but in Numbers chapter 14, verses 26, I do want to read it. You'll see it on the screens. But in Numbers chapter 14, verse 26, it says, The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation who are grumbling against me? I have heard their complaints of the sons of Israel, which they are making against me. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will surely do to you. Let me just tell you what they had spoken in their hearing. What they had spoken is, is that, well, God, did you bring us out of Egypt just to die? And so he says, okay, what you said will happen to you. And so in verse 28, he says, Say to, or in verse 29, he says, your, your corpse will fall in the wilderness, even all your numbered men, according to the complete number from 20 years old and upward, who have grumbled against me. He says, surely you shall not come into the land which I swore to settle to you, except Caleb and the son uh, of Jephun, I, I, I'm telling you, I've struggled with those names, and jo- Joshua, the son of Nun, Your children, however, whom you said would become a prey, I will bring them in and they will know the land which you rejected. But as for you, your corpse will fall in this wilderness. Your sons shall be shepherds for 40 years in the wilderness and they will suffer for your unfaithfulness until your corpse lie in the wilderness. Let's leave it right there on verse 33 there for me. Here's what I want you to see. In this moment, the nation of Israel had just sent in the 12 spies. you all probably know this story from VBS, right? The 12 spies go in and they see these giants. And they see, like, man, the, the land is amazing. But yet there's some big people in there. And they're like, uh, I don't know. So they come out and they begin to tell the congregation. Ten of them are like, hey, I not I don't think so, this is crazy, we're going to come, we're going to go in there, and we're going to die. We might as well just stay out here, right? But then there's two, Caleb, Caleb and Joshua, and they're like, listen, the Lord reigns, right? The Lord is great and mighty. What is taking place in this moment is that the nation of Israel has already forgotten what God has done. Let's look for a second, let's think for a minute what they've forgotten, Remember, they were in slavery in Egypt and they cried out to God to help them and the Lord heard their cry. They were in slavery and Moses comes and and obviously we know the VBS song, right? Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go. I think it's like, oh baby, let my people go. Y'all remember singing that, right? So Moses comes and, and Pharaoh says no, but then the nation of israel got to witness and see the 10 plagues fall upon egypt with the last one being the passover lamb right the pa- or excuse me the passover and so then the pharaoh lets them go and they're like hey like whoa like we're free Like they were set free from slavery so they start to move and all of a sudden Pharaoh comes after them and they're like, "Uh uh-oh, Pharaoh's coming after them. And God provided and protected them all the way up to the point that they were in front of the Red Sea. And now they're in front of the Red Sea, and they're like, what do we do? Like, like we're going to die. They start grumbling. They start complaining. They start saying, we're just going to die out here. And God opens up the Red Sea, and, and I love that. I've shared it with you so many times. Like, for me, like, my childlike faith, I just can't, I just feel like I would, like, walk through there with my hands in the water on the sides. Like, I love the idea that God's holding up the walls, and I'm walking through by faith that those walls don't come down because I would drown. The nation of Israel had seen that. They had witnessed that. You know, they walked through the water. How many of y'all honestly have been out to, to the, the Gulf of Mexico and seen the water split in half and walk out a few little ways and come on back? None of us. But if you had, you'd probably be calling Brother Fred saying, Brother Fred, I got to give a testimony. And if that took place, we would be like, You got to give a testimony. Can you imagine? But they've already forgotten the provision of God. They had already forgotten it. In verse thirty-three, there I do want you to see this, and that says this: that the sons will shepherd for forty years in the wilderness, and they will suffer for your unfaithfulness until your corpse lie in the wilderness. Let me tell you something. That scripture is just breaks my heart because it shows. That the the children were suffering; they had to suffer due to the sin of their older generation. And so, I challenge us. Not that I'm, gonna, I'm not going to preach on verse thirty-three here today, but I challenge that that we are always pushing towards the cross. That the younger generation will always see that and rise up behind us at the cross, and not at any other idol. So we see in Numbers 14, and we won't continue, well, well, let's go on and do 34 and 35, there's two more verses left. It says, according to the number of days which you spied out the land, 40 days, for every day you shall bear your guilt a year, even 40 years, and you will know my opposition. I, the Lord, have spoken, and surely this will do to all the evil congregation who have gathered together against me in the wilderness. They shall be destroyed, and there they will die. So, Deuteronomy 8, we're halfway through verse 11. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God. Moses is telling this new generation, because they've been in the desert for 40 years, he's telling this new generation, don't forget like your father, like your parents, like your grandparents did, when they had a lack of faith, even though they had seen the miracle hand of God. And so Moses tells them, don't forget. And so because he doesn't want them to forget, he begins to even explain what all is taking place. He says, beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his ordinances and his statues, which I am commanding you today. Moses knows that they were about to enter the promised land. He has heard from the spies how amazing the promised land is. He knew that the giants in the land and the people of the land would not be able to keep them out. That they would not kill the nation of Israel because it was God's promise and his provision was going to go forth with them. And so then he comes to verse 12 and he says, If you forget, then when you have eaten and are satisfied and when you have built good houses and you've lived in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and gold multiply and all that you have has multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of slavery. He says in verse 15, He led you through the great and terrible wilderness with its fiery serpents, scorpions, and thirsty ground where there was no water. He brought water to you out of the rock of Flint. In the wilderness he fed you with manna which your fathers did not know. And he might humble you that he might test you to do good for you in the end. Otherwise you may say in your heart, my power and my strength of my hand made me this wealth." But you shall remember the Lord your God for it is he who has given you power to make wealth. And he may confirm his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And listen to verse 19 and 20. It shall come about if you ever forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them. I testify you against you today. You will surely perish. In verse 20 it says, like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, you shall perish. Because you would not listen to the voice of of the Lord your God. So as as I read that scripture and as I studied that scripture excuse me for preaching several times my throat is 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 hurting a little bit. So as I studied the scripture in Deuteronomy 8, and I began to say, Lord, what? There's so many. I mean, I went throughout scripture and just looked at the idea of remembering, remembering, remembering. And I said, Lord, what is it that we need to remember? Because, see, the nation of Israel forgot the miracle hands of God. They, they forgot that they once were in slavery and God set them free. And God showed me that he wants us to remember along the same lines of the nation of Israel. The first thing is, is that God says, remember Who you once were. Remember who you once were. So the first thing today that I want to just look at is who we once were. For the nation of Israel, they once were in slavery. Now I think that that goes hand in hand with today. We once too were in slavery. So in Ephesians, if you want to flip over to Ephesians chapter 2, it says this in verse 1 through 3. It says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sin." in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of power of this air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of the flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Let me tell you who we once were. We once were children of wrath. We once were, according to Ephesians chapter 1, dead. Like, done. Like, completely dead. That's who we were. And let me just go on and explain to you that the scripture says that for those who do not know Christ, who have not been made alive in Christ, those who are dead, there is a place that when we pass away on this earth, there is a place called hell. It was not created for us. It was created for the fallen angels. But here's the problem. It says that sin entered through Adam, through, through Adam's sin. We all have sinned. And so sin is in our life. And because we are dead, if we do not have a savior, if our life has not been transformed, and been made alive in christ then we live and we die in our sinfulness one of the things that excites me about this message is not the fact that 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 people are dead it's that i once was dead Like whenever I think about this message, I get like so fired up because I'm starting to remember where I came from and that was that I was dead and Jesus Christ made me alive. Like I don't know about y'all, but that is so profound to me. Like I can't get past it. Last night, I was with the students uh, over in Mississippi, and we had just worshiped. And man, the the worship team, and and when I say worship, worship is life. But we had just done a musical portion of worship, and the the band had just been singing their heart out, and I met with them beforehand, and man, they just loved the Lord, and they were just crying out to God. And then I get up there, and I said, how's it going tonight? And everybody was like, good. And I was like, okay, we got a problem. Instead of Houston, we have a problem, like, Lord, we got a problem. Because here's my problem, is that we just worship the living God, the one that transformed us from death to life. Like, if it was not for the blood of Jesus Christ, we would be dead in our trespasses right now. And so then, and and, and I know some of you are like, David, don't go there, But but, so I looked at him and I said... We got any Alabama fans in the house? And they were half of them were like, whoa. And I said, Well, any Auburn fans in the house, and half of them were like, whoa! And I said, guys, y'all just got so excited when I mentioned a sporting team. But whenever we just worship the living God, you're like, oh And I'm not trying to convict anybody there, but what I'm telling you is, is that there is an excitement knowing that I formerly was dead. Let me go even further. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul even pushes it even further in verse 11 and 12. I love this. And this is, man, this is some strong stuff right here. This is like uh, in the younger generation, we call it like strong coffee. Like this is some strong stuff. It says, therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who were called uncircumcised by the so-called circumcised, which is performed by the flesh by, by human hands. Verse 12, it says, remember that you were at times separated from Christ. Hey, there was a time in our life we were separated from Christ. We were excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. A stranger to the covenant of promise. Oh, and look at this. Having no hope without God in this world. Congregation, can I tell you that there was a time in our life we had no hope. There was a time in our life where we were dead. You know why we study history in school? It's so that we don't repeat it. So we can learn from where we were. The reason I remind you of our history, of our past, of who we were, is not that we sit there and celebrate what we went through or all these things. It's so that we can celebrate what God has done and where he's brought us to. We had no hope. But let me tell you what happened in my life. I was eight years old. We were tra- coming home from my grandmother's house who lived on Dauphin Island Parkway. For those in Mobile, we call it the dip, D-I-P. And we were coming home and we crossed from I-10 to I-65, but in that moment, that was the crossroads of my life. I know that some of y'all, like I, that, that connection there is kind of congested sometime with traffic, but for me, every time I go over it, I think, this is where it took place. I said to my mother, I said, Mom, what is going to take place in my life if I don't know Jesus is my Lord and Savior? And my mother didn't sugarcoat it, and I'm so thankful she didn't. She told me the truth of the gospel. And right there in that intersection of a road was an intersection of my life, and if I could have got on the ground, I would have got on the ground, but I was in in a minivan. And I just cried out, and I said, God, I repent. God, save my soul. And I cried out to the living God. And I was no longer dead. I share that with you for, for, for this, is that we must remember, just as the nation of Israel, he's reminding them that they were in slavery. We too were in slavery with no hope. But I want to just share a little side note for just a second. If y'all don't mind me chasing just a short uh, rabbit here uh, with my ADDness. But I want to just tell you that you know, when I, I grew up, and, and this is kind of common, in, 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 we, we, we say it's common, I don't know if it's common or not, but we say it's common in the Southern Baptist Church that when somebody gets saved at a young age, then they get saved 5, 10, 15 other times between then and, and, and later in life. And, and I'll be honest with you, I, every summer camp I probably prayed repentance and, and accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I mean, I probably came down front a hundred times. But let me tell you why that was. And this is what, like, in our student ministry, our college ministry, this is one of the things that we are fighting with and and really helping people understand. And the fact is, is that I never started growing and chewing on the Word of God and placing this in my heart. Because once I did that, the Lord showed me that my salvation was that night. It was that I had to grow. And so the evil one kept saying, well, you're not growing, so you're not a believer. You didn't really believe it. But what the Lord has showed me is, and I have not doubted. I mean, there's times I, that, that, that it's natural to doubt because look at what John the Baptist did. Hey, here comes Jesus, the one that will, will, will basically that will save the world. Here comes the Lamb of God. And then all of a sudden, he's in jail. Hey, will you go check and make sure he's really the one? Can you just go check? You know, I'm in jail over here. I just need you to just kind of just make sure for me. So yes, there's going to be times where we struggle and, 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 and even possibly doubt, but the Lord's going to bring us back to the Word of God. But here's the thing, if we're not growing from salvation, if we're not diving into the Word, falling in love with the Word of God, we will find ourselves in that continual pattern of, I don't know if I knew, so they run down to the front and we want to pray and we want to fill out the card and make sure. But I can tell you it happened when I was eight years old in that crossroads from I-10 to I-65. So Mobile will always have a dear place in my heart. The second thing I want you to see is remember who we are. Remember where we've come from. We were dead with no hope. And remember who we are. In Galatians chapter 4, 3 through 7, let's just read this. It'll be on the screen. It says, so also we, while we were children, were held in bondage under the elementary things of this world. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the the law, so that He might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoptions as sons. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if the son, then an heir God, Just as we saw in the nation of Israel they were slave to Egypt and then they were set free. God is showing us in the book of Galatians right here that we once were also in slavery but because of God... We are now children of the Most High God. We are heirs of the throne, uh, of the kingdom of God. It says in Ephesians that that, that we uh, we have an inheritance, that that we are His children. And and here's the thing, it also says that we are no longer enslaved. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, the new things have come. We must remember that we're a new creation. We must remember that we're no longer in slavery. We must remember that we are children of the Most High God. In 1 Peter chapter 2, 9-10, through it says that we're a holy priesthood. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Amen. Hey, we're no longer children of wrath. We are children of God, His own possession. So that you may proclaim the excellence of Him who has called you out of darkness and into the marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You have, not received mer- you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We are children of the Most High God. Like we once were dead, and now I'm a child of the Most High God. I don't deserve that, and neither do you. And I think that's why whenever I think about this and remember this, I fall on my face in humility, because why me, God? And God says, I love you. But he also says he loves the whole world. I also want you to see in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 6. It says this, But God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. Even when we were dead, he made us alive in Christ. So, we're children of God, right? We're no longer slaves. We're a new creation. We're God's possession. And we are alive in Christ. Let me ask you a question. Do you live your life as if you're alive in Christ? Or do you just say, I I believe in Jesus and just sit back and go do your own thing? Like, He's made us alive. It even says in Scripture, all authority has been given to me. And God's saying, hey, that that He's given all authority to Jesus. and, and, And He's sending us out to go forth and to share the gospel to live alive in Christ. And too many believers are living as if they're dead. But they're not dead anymore. That's why we need revival. What does reviving do? It revives somebody who's like on life support. And there's a lot of Christians in in this nation who have just been sitting on life support, not living in the true power of Christ, living alive in Christ. And maybe if we just remember who we once were and what God has done and made us alive, maybe it will transform how we go forth into this world. Maybe we'll start living with power. So remember who we once were, remember who we are, and also remembering who we are, we have to remember what the power of God and what he did for the nation of Israel. Moses is telling them, he says, hey, I want you to remember where you came from, I want you to remember that God set you free, and I also want you to remember the power of God that set you free. In Psalm 77, verse 11 through 15, I want you to see this. It says, I shall remember the deeds of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your works and muse on your deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is like is great like our God. You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your strength among the people. You have, by your power, redeemed your people the sons of Jacob and Joseph. It says at the beginning in verse 11, go back to verse 11 for me, Stephen, on on, on 77. It says, I shall remember the deeds of the Lord. Surely I will remember the wonders of old. I think sometimes we just forget what God's done. For the nation of Israel, remember, they forgot about the Red Sea crossing set free from from, uh, Egypt. The the pillar of of fire, smoke, cloud. I mean, just all of this that God did. And Moses is saying, hey, let me remind you that God led you in the wilderness. Hey, can we change something real quick? Too many of us say that they wandered in the desert. In the scriptures here, it says God led them in the desert. There's a big difference to me. God led them in the desert. It was discipline. He led them through the discipline. And then he began to remind them of the power of God that he, in the desert, the fiery serpents didn't take you out. The scorpions didn't get you. I would be scared to death of scorpions and fiery serpents. I don't like serpents, especially fiery ones. He said, when you were thirsty, I gave you something to drink, even though there was no water to be found. When you were hungry, I dropped manna on you. And y'all didn't even know what it was. I was your provision, the miracles of God. And just to name a few, and I understand that these happened after after the Red Sea crossing and after them going into the nation of Israel, but let's just remember how big our God is. I love Jericho. I mean, they marched around and boom. Can you imagine? I love Mount Carmel. Can you imagine like, hey, just put some more water on the altar. Yeah, just keep doing it. And y'all go on over there and, and y'all dance around and y'all try to get your God to bring down fire. I mean, can you imagine all of a sudden... Hits his knee and prays, And fire from God comes down and consumes the altar. Woo. Hey, if that happens, we're going to have a testimony. But let me tell you, it happened. And so I'm sharing the testimony of what took place. What about David and Goliath? I mean, this dude is like massive. David shows up with a slingshot. I'd have been like, um, we need the best of the best of the best. And God's saying, oh, he is the best because he's serving me alone he shows up with a slingshot and a few rocks, pebbles, and man, just one time, can you imagine if we took down an army with one rock? The whole Philistine camp ran in fear because of a rock that was directed by the Lord straight into the forehead of Goliath. Maybe we need to remember also what God's done in our own life. Just this past week in preparing for my message, I pulled out my journal. I'm a journaler. And my journals start, Dear God, and then I write. I pulled out my journal. I'm going to tear up even telling you this. But in 2000, I believe it was 8, I don't know. I was sitting there and I was reading just about how God like, was showing me that Leslie would be my bride. And obviously I read that to my wife that night. And just read to her what the Lord had spoken to me. That was a miracle from God. Leslie and I weren't even dating. And the Lord spoke to me and said that you two will get married. And I said, Lord, if that's the case, you're going to have to give me a, a burning bush experience. And I went to church the next day. Nobody at the church knew anything of Leslie. And this lady came up to me and said, how can I be praying for you? It was an older lady in the church who had always been praying for me. She knitted me a prayer shawl that I still to this day have as she prayed over me while she knitted it. And I looked at her and I said, just pray for wisdom. I need wisdom. I need discernment. And that lady looked at me and she said, David, I have a vision. And, you know, I didn't grow up experiencing visions. So when somebody said that, I was like, "Uh, I got to go. Like... And she said, I have, a, I have a vision from the Lord. And I said, okay, tell me about it. She said, I see a groom on his wedding day, and he's looking down the aisle, and his bride's coming to him. And that was the Lord speaking to me. The miracle hands of God. When I was at K-Life for Canna I was working at K-Life, and they asked me, they said, what's your, what's your long-term plans for your life? And I said, I don't know. They were like, well, you're going to sign a two-year contract with us. I said, absolutely. And they said, um, you know, tell me what, what will take you away. After two years, we want you to sign another contract with us. What's going to take you away? I said, uh, the only thing that would take me away is if Brother Fred and Brother Ed ever started a church. And if they ever called me to be their youth pastor. Can I tell you that when I shared that, oh, I also told him that if Chick-fil-A ever called, too, that I would go and that manna from heaven, right? But anyways, so Brother Fred and Brother Ed had not even started a church, and I hadn't been back to Mobile in years. A year later, into my two-year contract, a year and three months later, I get a phone call from my mom. Hey, did you know Brother Fred and Brother Ed had started the Brother Fred and Ed show? I don't know if that was my mom that said that. Somebody told me that. But they had started the church, Luke 4.18. And about a month before I signed my next contract to stay with K-Life, I get a phone call from Brother Fred. And at first I said, nope, no way. In my heart. But the Lord showed me and reminded me of that moment two years earlier. The miracle hands of God. And I don't even have to mention the one that y'all all all know about. Five and a half years ago when fire fell down from heaven and cleansed me from my Myasthenia Gravis. And I stand here today five and a half years, medicine-free, symptom-free. And cleansed in the name of Jesus. I remember those things so that I remember when I'm in tough times. I remember the presence and the provision of God. I only glorify in the King in all of that. I do not glorify in myself because outside of Jesus, that would have never taken place. So remember where you once were. Remember who you are. Remember the power of God and His provision in your life. And number three, remember what it took. As Brother Ed shared just a few minutes ago, just such a beautiful, beautiful statement. And he was basically declaring Philippians chapter 2. Where it says in verse 5 of Philippians chapter 2. It says have this attitude in yourself which was also in Christ Jesus. Who although he existed in the form of God did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself. Taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of man. You want to know what it took? For us to be transformed from death to life. Jesus stepping down and becoming a baby. On Christmas Day. Now I understand it wasn't necessarily December 25th, but he came down, stepped out of heaven, became a pawn servant even to death. You know, I think at Christmas time how the world must think that we're so foolish to worship an infant. But then I think to myself that the scripture says, in First Corinthians, that God will use the things that the things that don't seem like, instead of it being just like what it was supposed to be, like using the, those that, that that aren't wise in order to shame the wise. And I think about the fact that the wise says a little infant. Really, that infant was a was God. It was Jesus. In First Peter chapter two twenty two through twenty four. It says, "He who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats. But keeping and trusting himself to himself to him who judges righteously, and he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we might be that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds." We were healed. You want to know what it took? We need to remember not only that we were dead, but it's by the wounds of Jesus Christ that we may have life. And one of the most powerful statements, Isaiah 53 verses 3 through 6 says this, He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. And like one whom men hid their face, he was despised and he did not esteem himself. Surely our grief... He Himself bore, and our sorrows He carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed Him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. He was uh, chastising for our well-being fell upon Him. And by His scourging, we were healed. All of us were sheep that had gone astray. Each of us had turned to His own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on Him. I don't have time today to walk through what took place before and and, and during the cross. But let me tell you something. Jesus bore on, on Himself the sins of this world. He came through with the wounds and the piercings of His arms and His feet. Why? So that we may be made alive in Christ. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11 through 15 says, But when Christ appeared as high priest of the good things to come, He entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation, and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through His own blood. He entered the holy place once for all and obtaining eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and ashes of ever sprinkled through who have been defiled, sanctified for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. For this reason, He is the mediator of the new covenant. He's the mediator that takes us from death to life. It's the blood of the Lamb. We must remember where we were. We must remember who we are. But we must remember how and what it took for us to cross over from death to life. If we don't remember that, we're going to wake up every day and just live our life as if it just doesn't really matter today. But when we wake up in view of the cross every day, it will change how you live your life today because you won't take it for granted because you will realize that Jesus died that you could live today for the kingdom and for his glory Amen. we must wake up every day in remembrance of the cross and what it took right. i get so excited and i'm also get so humbled at the fact that Jesus bore on him my sins that I was dead, now I'm made alive in Christ. I, I, I want to dance. And for those who just sit there and say, I don't really get the excitement that you have, then, then, then you need to go to Psalms 51 where it says, Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Because there is joy in knowing that you once were dead and now you're alive. As I close today, I do want to share this. the reason that they forgot, the reason that he was telling them to beware that you don't forget was because he said, when you are satisfied, when you have things and your wealth grows, that you will become prideful and that you will think that you did it. So you say, David, why do we forget? Why do we not wake up every day? And I'll just go on and tell you, that we have to be careful not to allow the comforts of this world. To take the place of our provision in God. That's exactly what Moses said to them. When everything you have expands and you have more sheep and all these things. And you live in good houses. Kind of sounds like America. Then your pride will say you did it. And God will say and you must remember I'm the one who transformed you from death to life. And so my question today is, will we remember? Or will we go throughout life in a prideful state, forgetting what God has done and just living our life as if we have some provision on our own? Because let me tell you something, that is a facade when you think that you can provide it on your own. And it's a pretty arrogant statement to tell the living God who allowed his son to bleed on the cross and bear your sins that you got this on your own. The scripture even says that it's trampling the blood of Jesus. And so, my question to you today is this Will you remember you were dead? Now you're a child of God. You were in slavery. Now you're set free. And it's all because of the cross. It's all because of Jesus.